Price on all to fearless in devotion, the Wrexham AFC podcast, sponsored, of course, by the Fat Boar Bar and Restaurant. Potentially seismic day in the National League yesterday. Two tough away games for Notts County and Wrexham. Notts drop two points. Wrexham get a win in a place that we never usually get a win, down in the Garden of England in Bromley. Tim, you've just made it home Sunday morning. (laughs) Uh, How was your day? Uh, it was a good job we won. It was the only saving grace. It was uh, it was an arduous, arduous, horrible journey, and um, yeah, I'm not one for complaining for for bus companies, especially local bus companies. But it was just a disaster. Like, tell you, if you, if you take the, the traffic jams and all that out of it, the whole palaver of buses turning up late, drivers changing over in Shrewsbury, having half an hour stops, and and then it just got the day just got progressively worse with the with the drivers, and it wasn't just our driver. There was a driver on the other bus who were just constantly whinging about their hours and how it's it's been a disastrous day. Well, yeah, we've been sat on a bus for for the best part of about ten hours overall. It's you know it's not been the greatest day for all of us, but but the football it, it made up for it, and that's all that really matters. And hopefully it'll be one of those days where you look back and go, it was an I was there moment as a as a crucial crucial uh moment in the title race and yeah it, it was it was worth it just for those just for that second half huge three points andy um and and, and as i was saying not a place where we've had much luck historically is it my journey was fine um <laughs> even though it was a train strike uh i got the tube to victoria popped on a train 20 minutes there had some train beers uh went to the shortlands tavern absolutely loved it Brilliant. why don't you, mar- you just marry your journey then <laughs> maybe I will. I'll make it my wife. Um, it feels big, doesn't it? It, it feels a really big day. I've, I've been on the uh, not County message boards and a lot of them are sort of giving up. I mean, I hope they do. Uh, I still think the title race is alive, but um, I do think it's going to take, you know, a couple of draws and we're okay. It's it, We need to, you know, for them to be back in it, we need to lose a couple, including, including to them. And what you say about Bromley, like we don't really do well down there. Well, this team finds different ways to win. And yesterday we went toe to toe with them physically uh, and we managed to pull it off, mostly due to Mullin, just the, the poacher supreme. But, you know, it just shows you can go to an artificial pitch like that. We've done three this season. We've won every one. Well done. For those sexual double entendres, Andy, we should like insert a couple of uh, Kenneth Williams ooh matron. It feels big, doesn't it? Managed to pull it off. I mean, dear God, you literally, I had no idea I was making any entendres at all. You've just got the sex birth, on the mind, Tim. The, the birthday boy had a good night, is all I'm saying. Um, was it your birthday, Andy? Yeah, it was yesterday. It's the, only, the only present I wanted. I actually oh. didn't get any presents, not one <laughs> thing to open. So yeah, it's good. Uh, it's good I did get. And that, the curse, the curse of Amber was broken. Yeah, it was. Oh, was your missus there? Yeah, she was. Yeah. Not gonna have to bin him now. Yeah, with, with, with proper Audrey Hepburn dark glasses to act as like a barrier between the match <laughs> and uh, form. She said she enjoyed it. I'm just taking that as she, she really did. So okay. yeah. Did she at least pay for the ticket? Was that your present? Uh, well, she paid for her ticket. <laughs> So this is a present in a way, yeah. Right, she's going to take me out for dinner after 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 I've finished work today. So I'm oh, going to I'm going to eat well. Um, Liam, you and I were watching it on the laptop. Um, I mean, we was it ever in doubt? Were you starting to worry? Sort of nil nil um, half time, starting to get concerned. 
my my nerves are getting worse instead of better at the moment. I'm, if I'd had a heart monitor on yesterday, I dread to think what it would have looked like because I was just constantly looking from screen to screen, trying to figure out what was going on. I mean, I won't believe the title's ours until it's in literally in the hands of our players, but something's just just the way we're winning. Like, I saw the Notts County goal from yesterday. They posted it up earlier. Very aesthetically pleasing on the eye, but the thing about us, like Andy says, we just find different ways to win. We can win ugly. You know, we've won some games pretty, like the, the Dagenham away game was you know really nice win, but just just finding different ways to win. I remember thinking about title winning teams who came to the race course and beat us. And I thought, oh, you know, they weren't particularly good. They scraped a one nil win or something like that, but but they won. And that's the point. So the longer it goes on, I'm, I'm feeling hopeful, put it that way. I'm not counting anything whatsoever. I don't believe Luke Williams when he says he's conceding the title, unless he wants to sign a do- legally binding document and hand us the trophy. But uh it's looking good, isn't it? It's looking good. Yeah, it is. And you've got to say two home games coming up, six points from that, uh, from those games. And suddenly it would become a, a real tough ask for Notts County. However, as we keep saying, plenty of twists and turns in this title race. So who knows what might happen next? Andy, you mentioned the 4G pitch um, seems to have claimed uh, a victim yesterday. Rob Linton um, has caught his studs in the pitch and has some knee ligament damage uh big blue oh he must hate bromley every time he goes down there something bad happens to him i mean i i i couldn't see him struggling in the first half um but obviously he got in and he made it to half time so that's why i'm just hoping it's a strain rather than than, than a rupture uh howard came on he did fine i mean he wasn't in front of the, the Wrexham fans but and he wasn't at fault for the goal really uh but you know he, he he did fine. I, I I do wonder if if Leighton is out for the season, whether whether we do need to go in for another keeper. We just can't leave anything no. to chance. We've got about four keepers on the books already, though. Are you saying no? You say we don't need. I'm one? saying no. I'm saying I'm saying people are massively overreacting to uh, a defensive and keeper mix-up that happened at Maidenhead, and are convinced now that Howard is rubbish. Which is when when you've got to remember how. How many clean sheets has he kept this season, Tim? I'm sure you put it on Twitter last night. 13 or 14. Because I, I had a running battle with some guy on Twitter last night because, yeah, we, we can see that Leighton's made a difference since he's come back in and he's more calm in presence, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, the argument's been made, well, you know, um, Howard's helped us get to where we've been. And then the counter-argument, as bad as it was, said, well, you know, any, any goalkeeper could have gone in goal because um, our defence has been that good. Well, if that's the case... You shouldn't have an issue with Howard being in goal then. And so also, he, if that's the case, how did we draw two all against Woking with Linton in goal? Like it's it, it, it's it's a nonsense argument. We've dropped points with Linton. We've dropped points with Howard. I got I, I got branded a melt yesterday. By, I'm, I'm oh, sorry about that. That's mate. true. Yeah. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> well, presumably, the sort of the Wrexham faction of Green Street. Um, he, he, he basically this this guy Simon. Um, he said Howard's been a, always been a catastrophe waiting to happen. Are we still waiting for that catastrophe? I mean. He's Dibble MK2. Yes, he's had clean sheets, but that's been down to the quality of the defenders in front of him, not due to his heroic saves. I will get behind him, but I certainly don't rate him. I don't even know where to start with that one. 
Well, as long as, you know, the saving grace of that message is I'll get behind him. And that, I think, is one message that we really need to get across because it it does absolutely anyone no favours now for for people to be going, oh, God, I can't believe Howard's in. Like, have have we learned nothing from what happened to Dibble? And yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're we're rinse repeating this conversation from the other week and we've been doing exactly the same thing. And I just don't see, and I'll repeat the message, I can't see how it's going to help us in any way, shape or form to castigate or or sort of you know really slam any of our players when there's eight games left and we're on the cusp of something really special or just you know just leave it to the end of the season. Someone said he was um our worst what was it our worst keeper since Valero yesterday. Right now I've been critical of Mark Howard, but I can think of at least five or six keepers that we've had since then that he's better than you know for me he's better than the likes of um, Belford, you talk. I think I don't think even though he went on to win the title the next season, I don't think Jalal was a particularly great keeper for us. You know, talk of the likes of Anthony Williams, albeit he was coming to the end of his career. You know, there's, pl- there's plenty of keepers I can think of that we've had that he's he's better than. So I don't think I don't think it's a complete disaster. My only thinking was that they've left pretty much nothing to chance so far. So I just wondered might they go in and get another keeper? Um, I mean, I suppose the, the question is, who would you get and would you want to introduce them to, you know, introduce the defenders to a new keeper with only eight games left? I think no, that's it's probably insanity. That's the counter-argument, isn't it? It's total insanity. You've got a settled squad, you've got a tight squad, and we go, oh, there's eight games to go, let's get a brand new keeper in. What? Where's Park, this? Where's this brilliant keeper going to come from? By the way, Parky even said in his post-match comments, like, "Yeah, it's, it sucks for Rob." However, Mark did really well when he came on. I mean, you know, that that's 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 clever management. That's saying that says to me, we've got it now for at least the next three four games, unless they stick Rob in a cryotherapy chamber and he makes a miraculous recovery a la Tunnicliffe. So it's clever management. Get behind him and. Let's just see what happens. I just, I just, I'm struggling to kind of really understand why people have really honed in on him and and made him the scapegoat. It's just nonsense. We've all scapegoats happen, don't they? And sometimes, what usually is happens is that there's an element of truth to some of it, but then people just go overboard because of one, they've got a perception in their mind. But anyway, let's all get behind Mark because he did well when he came on yesterday and he's a really good keeper and we were top of the league, you know, when uh, when Linton came back anyway. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's have a little bit of perspective. Um anyway, look like some of the lads had a good night last night at the UFC, Tim. Yes, yeah, I think um was it Ollie Ollie Palmer, Paul Mullen, John Davis, and was it Rory Watson? I think was the goalkeeper who went. They all met uh, Dana White, the UFC supremo, and had a, a decent night by the looks of it. I think I think uh, I think our co-owner may have may have swung that. Looking at his tweet, you know, glad you had a good night, blah blah, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So, and why not? They they deserved it, and it's nice for him to to uh, to kick back and relax. Andy's shaking his head. Why, why doesn't Andy agree? With no, this? I just think it's nuts that you know four four fifth division players are, are like live on telly and they go, hey, the Wrexham lads are in tonight, and it's like it's like a global audience and everyone's going, oh look, look, it's Jordan Davis. I be, I think it's nuts. I mean, it's great, but it's just it's, it's some things you just can't fathom in all this, and 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 that's one of them. Didn't the players go on Blue Peter around the time of the? Um... Around the time of the Arsenal game, all those years ago, <laughs> I'm yeah. sure there's a clip out there. Yeah, there was. Tim Vincent invited them on the uh, the once 
only famous fan, Tim Vincent. <laughs> and, um, there is a clip doing the rounds of that somewhere. We've, we've upgraded since poor little Tim um, since then, bless him. But still, we've done great. Um, it is uh, 10 years, roughly, since the FA Trophy final, isn't it, uh, Andy? Um, what's your main memory of, of that day? The, the, the win we had, of course, first ever win. Uh, it was so cold, um, really yeah. cold. Uh, I, I, we've talked about this before, but it was an emotional day. It was the day the club needed to really sort of nail it down. And it was a going concern that, you know, people people travelled in their thousands and it really underlined how much the club meant to people. Um, I can remember being tearful after it because I'd never thought I'd see my my side at Wembley or win, win at Wembley. Um and, you know, it's a day like the LDV vans that, you know, will stay with me for the rest of my life. And that's that's what this club's all about. Sad emotional this morning, Andy. You're right. Uh, I'm cold again. I just put the opinion <laughs> I'm freezing. Well, I, 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 I don't want to get the opinions of anyone else because that was so, that was so beautiful. <laughs> Such a tender moment. Uh, we've got a special guest that uh, who was part of that squad and actually took one of the one of the penalties. Um, so we really hope you enjoy this chat with uh, uh, a proper defensive linchpin for us uh, during uh, those those years. So our next, our, our latest guest was a defensive linchpin for clubs across the UK during a professional career spanning almost two decades. He won promotions with Hartlepool, Walsall, Wickham Wanderers and twice with Peterborough United. At the tender age of 36, he made his first appearance at Wembley Stadium, scoring in a penalty shootout to help Wrexham defeat Grimsby Town to win the FA Trophy, the club's first and only major silverware at the iconic venue. Now, almost 10 years on from that memorable day, I'm delighted to welcome Chris Westwood to the podcast. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm not too bad. How are you guys? Uh, k- kind of depressed that that day was 10 years ago, to be honest. I was thinking you, that. You must be loving years. life now, though. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it was, yeah, we're getting there because, you know, <sighs> sliding doors, isn't it? We can come to the other other uh, Wembley appearance after with the Newport thing. And if, if we'd won that, would we have been taken over? All these sorts of scenarios. But yeah, yeah. yeah life's, life's pretty good at the moment. We'll, we'll definitely get your thoughts on that as well. But does it feel like 10 years to you? It's, it's just flown by for us. No, it is, it's crazy isn't it? How, how quickly time flies by. Um, I think for me, obviously looking at this, it's 10 years. But as the 10 years has gone on, my two older boys who were there at Wembley, which I'll explain about later. Um, they're like now 22 and 18. So it's, it's like, it baffles me. Yeah, that is crazy, isn't it? It is absolutely wild. I mean, yeah, things have progressed onwards, but that, that day for us lives along the memory because A, our first ever trip to Wembley, new or old, you know, it's the club's yeah. first ever visit there. Very, very cold weather in uh, in most parts of the country in, in the sort of day leading up to it or the days leading up to it. Yeah. Um, just take us through it because I think, you, I think you guys went down the day before just to get settled and the hotel and all that sort of stuff. Were you aware of what was going on 
back home with with the snowdrifts and people digging themselves out to get there and everything surrounding that game. Yeah, because um, obviously a lot of a lot of the lads had people travelling from um, Wrexham, um, especially um, Sis Adrian Tislevich. He he's people were coming down, so we were having regular updates about. They were sending pictures about how, how they were having to dig themselves out and roads were shut. But I don't think anything was going to keep people away. Yeah, well, that, that's definitely true. Then people flew from all over the all corners of the globe for it. You know, the sort of ex Reds that, that live abroad and everything else. And yeah, it was it was a it was a strange old day. Everybody got down there. Um, what was the what was the feeling? Amongst the camp, it must have been confident because we sort of didn't done a reasonably fairly easy path to the final, and then managed to get over the line at Gainsborough, and then uh, yeah, there we are. I mean, what, what was it? Was it a feeling of general confidence, or just not to get too cocky? Um, I think for myself, I can only speak for myself. Um, it was it was another game, but obviously it was on the biggest stage. Um, and like you said, we had a pretty easy run to the final, but within that run, there were a lot of banana skins. So I would say that the run that we had to the final may have looked easier on paper because obviously we were playing lesser teams. Yeah. But in reality, we were the, we were always we were never the underdogs, so the pressure was always on us to win. Um, and I think when we went to Wembley, it was kind of bit of a level playing field. We were playing someone obviously from the same league who were flying high as well. Um, so it's kind of just who performed better on the day. But inside the camp, everyone was confident. And, and for you, when you, you see your name on that team sheet, given the, the, the sort of form you were having and everything else, it must have been just a proud moment for every player in that team. But especially, you know, you're in the sort of, later stages of your career I suppose and it's like it's not a tick box to say oh, I'm finally playing at Wembley but it must have been a massive thing for you home of English football and everything else no it was a tick box uh, <laughs> it was a massive tick box because obviously when you when you grow up everyone plays out in the street or out on the fields or whatever and you play Wembley and and that's the dream um so to actually get there and the, the day before it was I think it was more the day before was probably more of the nerves for me because mm. you're actually there now and you look around and it's a massive stadium and the pitch looks huge and you try and run through things that are going to happen on the day on the actual day of the game um I didn't really I didn't really have any nerves because I and I've always been like this wherever I've played once you, once you actually start playing I kind of not forget that the fans are there, but it doesn't really it doesn't really affect my game one way or the other. Chris, um, what were you in the Harlem Shake? Um, I can't actually remember, you know. <laughs> oh come on! Ten years ago, <laughs> um, I think I popped out of a. No, did I pop out of a bin? <laughs> well, I actually don't know. You know, I can't remember. <laughs> Right, answers in the postcard, everyone. What was Chris in the Harlem Shake? The first one gets a free <laughs> Might be able to answer. Might Liam, be able to answer, actually. Liam's going to do it. How what? do you know? 
Whilst I'm, I'm, I've, I've got a video on as we speak to solve this conundrum. Oh. Joe, Joe Clark. Yeah, I have. Yeah, just to see Joe Clark uh, shaking it. Oh, you've got something tied around your eyes, and you're going for it with the dancing by the looks of things. Arms swinging <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> you're next to someone with a bin on his head. <laughs> That's where the bin thing come from then. I must have thought that I had the bin on. <laughs> that was crazy. Oh, good stuff. Who, who did you room with? Who was your roommate for these sort of trips, away trips? and, and Keatsy. Keatsy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, did you know him from your time at previous clubs? Well, yeah. we. Strangely enough, we, we were at Warsaw together. Yeah. And then I went to Peterborough and and then he came sort of a couple of weeks later. Then when I went to Wickham... Um, he was getting sort of released from Peterborough and he came to Wickham on loan. And then when I, he, obviously he left and went to Wrexham and then I did another year at Wickham and then I ended up joining him at Wrexham. <laughs> so who, who's following who? Was it like a running joke that you just couldn't leave you alone? Yeah, we just, I think we scratched each other's back. I think we, uh, when they had a word with the gaffer and said, I've got this guy ready to come in. He knows what he's doing. So I took a point and he done the same with me, I'm assuming. How, how just just a quick quick one on Keatsy, because we've had him on the pod and um he, he obviously he was much more relaxed because he wasn't managing when we had him on. You know, he sort of he sort of stepped away from all that from a bit. Did you always see the management side in him? Because he was always yeah. that leader on the pitch as well. And I, I suppose that was always always the next step for him, was it? Yeah, a million percent. He was always going to be a manager. Um, obviously, there's a, you see him. You see him on the field, but during training or half time, before the game, after the game, he's one that speaks his mind, and he's not afraid to uh, upset people. Yeah, and I think that's that's what managers do, don't they? Was he the most efficient as a roommate? I imagine before your your alarm woke up, he's already brushed his teeth, packed, ready to go. Or was it the other way around? <laughs> When I was rooming with him for a few years, he used to have these mad, he used to have these mad routines where he'd he'd bring a blender and he'd blend up like spinach and all these things in a blender and he'd drink it and wake up wake up obviously if he had it the night before, wake up the next morning, you did not want to go in that room. Yeah, I was <laughs> gonna say that sounds smelly, Chris, to be honest. Oh jeez. <laughs> He's not. He's ninety-five percent green vegetables, basically. Dean Keats is what you're saying at that time. And he went. He went. He, he done it for a few years. So wow. I, I rooted with him. I rooted him everywhere I was, really. Um, and yeah, crazy. <laughs> smelly room, smelly room. But going back to to the Grimsby game, the way it panned out, and the way James McKeon, the Grimsby goalkeeper, had that sort of game. Did you think? At any point, what is this ever going to turn our way? Even when Chiz came on and peppering the shots at him, and he was saving everything, was it? Was it? Was there? Is there ever a nagging doubt that it might not be your day, or do you think if we keep going, it's going to turn at some point? Well, my personal thoughts are: if you're getting chances, it means you're doing something right. Yeah. So the fact that we were getting the chances that we were, and he was he was in unbelievable form. Um, he could have gone the other way. He could have he could have saved everything that was that was sent to him, but obviously he didn't. Um, 
Well, I don't know if you know this, but me and Keatsy, we know we know him from he was a he was a youth team player when we were at Warsaw. Right. And then we we sort of got him in at Peterborough um as a third choice keeper. He was only he was still only 18. Um and then obviously he went on from there and had his own career. But yeah, we um we knew him before and so before before the game and obviously leading up to the game we were peppering him with messages and and then obviously he had he had a great game. Yeah. It's just a massive wind up. That, that probably inspired him more, did it? <laughs> well, I'm assuming it did, yeah. <laughs> Slightly backfired. Anyway, obviously they take the lead. Um, I'm not sure who's at fault for that going. I know you stick your leg out, but it was a bit exposed. They take the lead. We get back into it. Um, Mr. Thornton's penalty from uh, Dean Keats induced a foul from an ex-red, Sean Pearson. So thanks for that, Sean, if you're listening. Happy days. And then obviously it goes into extra time it still doesn't quite happen it goes to penalties but i'm pretty sure i i heard or read somewhere that you were like one of the first people that says i'm having a penalty because you don't you, this chance does not come around to take a penalty at wembley is that correct yeah so what happened was um the gaffers got everyone obviously in the circle and said who wants to take penalties first and I, I always base my things like this on how I've played in the game. And I, I'd had a decent game by my own standard. So I was straight up and I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the gaffer was like, because I don't think many people stuck their hands up. No. So, and I don't think the gaffer, I think the gaffer was kind of looking at me as if to say, like you can go sixth or seventh. <laughs> The, the lads, the lads were calling out. I'll go first. I'll go second, and I just said, well, "I'll go third. Um, but yeah, it, it, like I said before, you dream of playing at Wembley. When you're with your friends, playing over the field, you have penalties. You're at Wembley. You're in a World Cup final. Whatever final it is, doesn't matter. You're at Wembley, and you're taking a penalty. And that was that was basically what I did. Have you well, well, prior to that penalty? When was the last time you ever you'd ever take one in a match? Um, that long ago. <laughs> I took one. I took one in the playoff semi-finals when I was at Article. We played. Right. We played Tramia. Yeah. And I took one then. Um, Did you score? Wow. Two well, it's it's the same. It's the same kind of story because I've watched. I've watched the um, penalties back, both of them. And John Akterberg, who was in goal for Tramia, yeah, he thinks I'm going to go down the middle because I just think he thinks centre half going to go down the middle. And I put it the same way as I went at Wembley, um, but I went low. And you could tell, like by his reaction, that he thought I was going down the middle, and then he's reacted late. Yeah. Um. Chris, can I just read something to you? This is what Dean Keats said about the, about this moment. He says, in the FA Trophy, Mozes brought us all together and asking who wanted to take a penalty. I said I'd go last as I was in bits. I was fucked. Westy piped up and said, I'll take one. I turned around and said to him, are you fucking taking the piss? I played with <laughs> him at Walsall, Peterborough and down at Wickham and he's never taken one. He's always in the showers with shampoo in his hair. Wouldn't go near one. <laughs> I went to him, what are you doing, mate? He goes, Minnie, we're at Wembley. I can tell my grandkids about this. He was serious. I just looked at him. I'd never seen someone so confident. We'd had shootouts before and he was never interested. 
He went and stuck it in the top corner. I thought, fucking hell, fair play. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? That is, that is true. Like, when it, the lads used to take penalties before training and after training, and I never used to get involved, so I, I had no interest in it, really. But on that day, that is exactly true. And but the only thing was, so obviously we knew we knew James McEwen, and obviously he knew he knew us. So any time we had a, actually had penalties, I always go the same way, or it always gone the same way. So once I decided, once I was in that first five to take a penalty, then I started to think, ah, oh, he's in goal. Do I change my mind? Do I change which way I go? Because I think he knows where I'm going to go. So. All the way up to all the way up to um, walking up to the pen. Obviously, the, the guy before me, he smashed his and gone over the bar. Um, and up until he'd done that, I was thinking I'm just going to blast it down the middle. But then, obviously, he smashes over the bar, so I thought oh, can't do that now because I could end up doing the same thing. I'm going to go. I'm going to go the normal way I go, but I'm just going to try and go high. So. Obviously, I put the ball down. In my mind, I'm still thinking, do I go high, do I go low? And then as soon as I turned around, I just made my decision to go high. And I think if you watch the penalty back, he actually thinks I'm either going to go down the middle or I'm going to go the other way because he has sort of a late reaction as well. But the relief, obviously, to see it hit the net was unbelievable. Can you remember what you said in your celebration, which um, which, which obviously got the crowd proper pumped and yeah. made a little gif out of it, which I'll be using at some point to, to plug this pod. Can you remember what, I, I, I'm sure it was something along the lines we get the fuck in there or something along the lines. Like, no, I said, no. yeah, effing get in, that's what I said. Because, the, and the reason was, the reason why I pointed to where I did was because my two boys were up there with their football team. So I had about, there was about 40 people came Wow. from my lads' football team and the parents, and they were all up, obviously, behind the goal. So I was glad that we got to take it that end. I was more glad to actually see it hit the back of the net because then I could celebrate and obviously point to my kids. Yeah. I mean, that we won't get a better penalty shootout. It was all, all the penalties are so composed. At complete odds with their hat and then Richard Brody for, for Grimsby. Obviously, yeah. cheers. Still traveling. Still yeah, traveling. Still traveling. Yeah. Cheers, Danny, you, and then of all people to score the winner, Johnny Hunt. I mean, what 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 was he like, Johnny Hunt, as a as a as a lad? He's a bit a bit of a bit of a nutter. No, he wasn't, you know, he's he's quite quiet. Was considering he? considering the people he traveled in with, like if you'd have said Jay Harris was a bit of a nutter, then I'd say a million percent. <laughs> yeah. But Johnny was Johnny was quite quiet. Um, but on that day, he was he was super confident of of taking a penalty. Yeah, I mean, everything about that game so memorable. The the, the attendance, the obviously the the day in general, so bitterly cold. I mean, what what was your what was your thoughts after after winning it? Elation, obviously, Moza sliding in and all that for the for the photo and everything else. But just going up up those steps to be involved in, in the lifting of that trophy. What, what was going through your head? Was it just a case of, yeah, this is like one of, must have been one of the most memorable sort of moments for you yeah. career-wise? Easily, because like I said, go back to 
the being a, a young lad. Once you've scored your penalty on the field, you then go and lift the trophy, which is what we got to do. We walked up the famous steps. It's it, honestly, it's a, it's an unbelievable feeling. You can't you can't buy it. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, pretty tremendous, pretty special, and I still can't believe it's a decade ago. I had no idea what's happened there. It's absolutely insane. Well, that's the scary thing, isn't it? Ten years. No, yeah, crazy how time flies. But I'm going to pick your brains on your squad mates that day, and I say squad mates, not just the the other ten who's in the team with you, but the the lads on the bench as well, the ones that were used, the ones that weren't. I'm going to ask you for a sentence on each to describe them because that's the easiest way of doing this. So just the first thing that comes to your head. Chris Maxwell, in goal. Um, small man syndrome. Small man syndrome. <laughs> small man, big hands. He's small man syndrome. So, okay, yeah. Uh, Steve Wright. Oh, we're going to have to elaborate on that. Yeah, we, got, yeah fair, yeah. We should have elaborated on small man syndrome. <laughs> was he just a bit of a... Was it small man, big mouth, was it? Yeah, he... he um... He did tend to to pipe up quite quite a lot, um, and obviously he was still a young lad then. Yeah. Um, and he was trying to trying to obviously make his way in the game. Great shot stopper, um, and had a lot of confidence in himself. Yeah. Some of the times, the, the confidence within the lads for him wasn't the same, but he had a lot of confidence in himself. Yeah, gone on to have a good career, so probably that confidence. Yeah, is now still ago. playing at Blackpool, isn't he, I think. Yeah, yeah, captain, I think, or he was. Yeah. So I'm sure he was captain. Steve Wright, one of the other elder statesmen of that squad. Well, me being a Liverpool fan, I obviously knew of Wright. I've never come across him, um, but yeah, he, he was just he was just a character. He was just one of one of those guys that bit of this, bit of that. That's, that's what I always think about him, bit of this, bit of that. But yeah. in training, gave his all. Yeah, yeah, 110%. Martin Riley. Laid back Larry. <laughs> yeah. I, used well. to tra- I used to travel in with him. Yeah. And he's the most laid back person I've ever come Even on the football pitch, sometimes when he was playing next to me, I'm going to say to him, Riles, come on, you know, like liven up a bit. And he's just like, yeah. Got these big long strides in him. <laughs> yeah, very well. Yeah, yeah. We've had him on. He's not, not very laid back on Twitter, but yeah, no. <laughs> oh, is he not? No, oh no, he, he, he can he can wind people up on Twitter. Oh really? Yeah, he's he's got some very specific views about um uh about ooh, COVID uh business the Tory party. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting if you if you. Spend an afternoon, look it up. <laughs> yeah. Mate, when we used to travel back, he used to be asleep. We used to take it in turns to drive. So it'd be me, him, Joe Clark, and Delhi had a bowler sometimes when, later on. Um, but if it was just me and me and Riles, he'd be he'd be driving and he's he's obviously he's a big lad. His seat was so far back and then he'd he'd recline his seat back. So he was almost lying down. And I'm not. I'm. I'm quite a nervous passenger. So keep looking at him. And in the end, I say to him, Ross, do you just want me to drive? No, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Just get out. Let me drive. You can then have a sleep. And within within ten seconds of changing, he's asleep, waking him up when we get back. <laughs> Good God, asleep at the wheel, Martin Riley. 
Thank God, thank God that didn't happen. Johnny Hunt. Um, <laughs> he was quiet. He, he, he was, he was quiet. And because he was a young lad sort of coming through, um, yeah. very respectful, but he, yeah, he was, he was quiet. Yeah. Whereas this next person wasn't Jay Harris. <laughs> scrappy, oh, scrappy do. Ah, oh, let me add him. Just, just an animal. I used to say he got the energy of a thousand camels. <laughs> By the way, he was the best. Co- he was the best goalkeeper at Wrexham. Really? When Maibi was there, and when Maxwell was there, Jairis in goal, unbelievable. He never mentioned this. He never mentioned his goal. Honestly, you ask any of the lads. He used. To, he used to. Um, the lads would take penalties against him. And he'd say three penalties for a fiver or something like that. And he, he would pull shots out of the top corner. <laughs> Honestly, I remember, I can't remember what game it was, but one of the games we didn't have a sub goalkeeper because Yeah, he went in goal. Was it Barrow? Yeah. But the, but that was the plan. I think I think the plan was they were gonna use put someone else on on the bench and not have a sub goalkeeper because they knew that Jay could actually go in goal. Never. I can't believe no one's mentioned this. No, Honestly, he was unbelievable. Sure. And obviously, being being the player he was as well, he could off the floor, he could pick out passes. Like some some like Joshy Joshy Maibi, for instance. Sometimes his kicking was a bit and when you need it to be specific, when you're trying to play a certain way, um Jerry's pinging balls left, right, and centre. Unbelievable. We have to get that. That's a that's a perfect excuse to get Jay Harris back on the pod just so we can eke out some goalkeeping stories from him. That's crazy. On to the onto the man we've already mentioned, your former roomie, Dean Keats. Yeah, he was a he was a leader. That's what you call him. And a blender. Blender, we said. <laughs> <laughs> the curly tail and everything else. Yeah. Uh, Kev Thornton, the cat. Kevin Thornton. Um Frustrating, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. He, he obviously he had all the ability, and he's another one believed in himself a million percent. Um, I think with some of the lads, with most of the lads at Wrexham, when we used to train, you would train the way you play. Mm. I always used to, I've done it right throughout my career, but we kind of had a thing where, especially when I was with Keatsy. We've done it at Peterborough. You train the way you play, and obviously then you go into the games. But then you get some players that sometimes they can't be bothered to train. or And I'm not saying he was like one of them that couldn't be bothered to train, but sometimes if you're playing five aside and, and you're desperate to win and there'd be tackles flying in and yeah. Kev just wouldn't get involved in it, he'd just be like, nope, you can have it. Whereas other players like Neil Ashton, for instance, yeah. you know if you're going in for a 50-50 with him, whether it's in training or not, you need to go in wholeheartedly because that's what he's going to do. Yeah. Just a lack of application, I guess, with, with Kev. And it's, it's one of those things, but he probably had, he probably had the most ability. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. There's just something missing. Yeah. Danny Wright. Danny Wright. Hmm. Again, another one. <laughs> 
quite quite frustrating. Um, he went through. Well, to be honest, he, he was he was the type of player that you'd want him on your team. You wouldn't like playing against him because he yeah. was. He got quite a bit of a nasty side to him. Um, but I just don't think. Well, it, well, it proves because he didn't go on to play at a higher level. Um, he went through a stage where he was scoring goals and he was doing all, obviously everything, creating his own goals even sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but then probably not not consistent enough, maybe. Mm. Yeah. And I think um, this is I think this is the same. It doesn't matter what league you're in. Yeah. I think this is the same goes throughout. If you if you can get probably eight consistent players in your team, they don't they don't have to be world beaters. They don't have to can't be nine out of ten one week and then three out of ten the next. If you can get eight consistent players, you've got a chance. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and the, the final two in the in the starting eleven are Andy Morrell and Brett Olmerod. <laughs> Maza. Was it, it obviously he was gaffer, wasn't he? So Yeah, um, we'll get to we'll get to that bit. Yeah, we'll get to that bit. <laughs> but yeah, Mozza as as a player manager. Yeah, it was it was good. I think obviously when he when he took over, he kind of took a step back from from playing. He would play the odd game. Um but he had pl- he had plenty of quality and he knew where the back of the net was, but obviously it was coming to sort of the end of his career and he probably was thinking more about managing the team than than actually playing in it um but yeah he was he was he was a nice guy yeah and and Orms we've had him on the pod uh, uh yeah absolute it was uh it was an interesting talk with him we we couldn't find the the bleep button fast enough to be honest <laughs> yeah how about yeah. Katie did you find the bleep button fast enough for him he was he, he was he was all right actually he, 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 he kinda, must have had his manager's head on yeah he was quite he's quite relaxed we got him in a relaxed because I'm mode. telling you now I've never heard anyone swear more than Keatsy. Probably <laughs> Brett Armorod. They'll be yeah. on the same, on the same. And they used to travel in together, so their car school must have been bleep, 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 bleep. What what did I mean, what did Brett say about that miss against the New, Newport whilst we're on the subject of Brett? The uh when he skied it. <laughs> I'll be honest, I can't remember too much about Newport because I was disappointed not to play. Yeah. Were you on the bench? I can't remember. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, you're on the bench. Yeah. I was I was about to come on. I was about to come on centre mid. Yeah. Um and then you know, I was literally putting my shin pads in. Um the gaffer had told me to warm up, putting my shin pads in, and um and then obviously they went and scored. And he was kind of like, right, Delhi, get yourself ready, you're going on. Hmm. Damn. Well, we've got five more of this team, and then I'm going to hand over to Andy to uh, to backtrack from the very start of your Wrexham career. Andy Coughlin, in the, the reserve goalkeeper. Yeah, he was a young lad, wasn't he? Um, got all the attributes. Got obviously a massive frame. He was a he was a big guy. Mm. Not too bad at kicking. I just don't think he believed in himself enough. Yeah, no, yeah, I can see that. Joe Clark, Super Joe Clark. Crazy. I, I don't know if you know this, but Glenn Little used to call him crazy. There's nothing crazy about him, but he used to go, kind of crazy. <laughs> and obviously we used we used to travel in together. Again, an honest lad, um, honest worker. Yeah, he was an, another nice guy. 
Speaking of Glenn, Glenn Little, Liam's uh, favourite, uh, it has to be said. So, I mean, I, I don't even know if you can find any words for Glenn that haven't already been said, really. Mate, he, he's, he's an, on another level. <laughs> Give us fact, a I, can see, I can see why he played at the level he did. Yeah. Because sometimes in, in training, you couldn't get near him. Yeah, just I like... like he couldn't move anymore. Yeah, yeah. You must have a Glenn story. There's got to be a, you, you, you have a Glenn story. I know you do. <laughs> not, well, not so much a story, but we used to go into town um, on a regular basis after training. Um, yeah. And we used to go and sit in the coffee shop in, I think it was Costa. Yeah, in Eagles Meadow. You and, uh, yeah, Rob Ogilby, I think, went up there. Yeah, there was, there was normally like four, five, six of us. And yeah. he'd, he'd have this like little corner patterned out and he'd have the guy bringing coffees over and he'd be telling stories. He's he's just on another level that way. He's just mad, isn't he? Loves he used to tell us stories about um, Stan. What's his name? Oh, uh, Stan. Stan Tennant, the Burnley. He does a good impression of him, doesn't he? He used to tell us. He used to tell us all the stories about him. <laughs> Blakey. <laughs> We've heard parts of them. They're good ones. Um, and yeah, the last two really. Cheers, and the guy just mentioned Rob Ogilby. Cheers is probably the most frustrating mm. because with what he had, he he's one that could have gone on and played at high level, but I just don't think he could control his his pace. Yeah. Sometimes I think when you're that quick, you end up running off the pitch because by the time you've made by the time you made your mind up and sent the message to your feet, yeah, you're out of space. Um, yeah. But yeah, on his day, unplayable. And the, and the Ogilby, the Super Rob. Well, again, Glenn, Glenn. When I hear, when I hear crazy Joe Clark, he always used to go who on the Ogle. The Ogle. <laughs> yeah, um, Rob. He, he was another one, a nice guy, honest guy. Um, that was probably that was probably his level. If I'm being brutally honest. Um, but I think again, like you, you need to have a run of games, mm. and when you don't get a run of games, you can't sort of get into into the swing of it. And did that maybe what why he didn't. Crack did, he have, did he have questionable fashion sense? Because I remember seeing him in Costa with Glenn wearing a leather trench coat. <laughs> there was a few with with questionable fashion sense. <laughs> him being one of them, we'll have that. Chris, before we go on to um, on to sort of backtracking a little bit, how you joined, that sort of thing, tell us about the celebration. Were you camp who went into town or did you stay at the Holt Lodge? You went into town, didn't you? No, no. Well, we actually done both. We oh, went okay. to Holt Lodge and then we went into town. Um, right. Did we? Yeah, we did. Holt Lodge, then town. Then, then we went to someone's house, um, me and Crazy Clark. We went back and we were um, at the pool table and we were playing pool with probably about seven or eight Wrexham fans. And we had, we had our, our um, ties tied around our heads. <laughs> Someone had my blazer on. Oh, oh, it was, it was awesome. Like we, we went back 
had a, obviously had a few drinks with them, and I think we ended up getting back to the hotel at like maybe six in the morning. Oh wow, that's long a good effort. That's a fire. Yeah. It was a long one. Who's the was, best? Uh, was Glenn Little in the uh, in the pram at that point, or <laughs> I don't know. Did, didn't see him. It was just me and Crazy Clark ended up back at this house. Yeah, I think when we first got there, there were like two people there, and then there was just phone calls being made. Yeah, we're coming, we're coming, <laughs> and in the end, it ended up being a houseful. Wild. Who was the best at pool? Um, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> we drank that much. You're taking it serious enough to have the tie wrap around your head. Bit of shit, bit of pool sharking going on. Yeah, yeah. Right, let's go back. Um, let's go back to I think right about June 2011. Signed by Dean Saunders. So everyone's got a Dean Saunders story, and it's mostly around when people sign. He usually does something a little bit out of the ordinary to, to, to get the deal over the line. Anything with you? Well, so through, through um, myself and Keatsy, we had the same agent. So I've been told by Wickham that I was getting another contract, but um, they were only going to give me a year and I, I wanted two years. So I kind of said to my agent, I'm not going to sign unless they give me two years. Um, and then it, it turns out he spoke to Dean Saunders and there was a chance for me to go there. So he said, oh, he wants to meet you. I was okay. So I went and met him at Frankly Services on the M5. <laughs> Kid you not, right? <laughs> I met him there and he and so I said to I said to my agents I was like I've only got I've literally got probably an hour but I had to get back to pick my kids up so he's like yeah yeah you'll only be 15 minutes I was like okay so we gets there well I gets there I goes in meets him first time I've ever seen him being a Liverpool fan obviously knew all about him blah, blah, blah. so he sits me down we're having a general chat next thing he starts getting um Get, gets the towel and he starts getting the salt and pepper out and he goes and gets it from other tables and he's got 11 condiments on the table and he's got them into a formation and he's now he's now saying right if the ball's here where where would you be where should he be I'm like I'm, I'm coming towards the end of my career like but I, I think I know where people should be but anyway so it goes along with it, but he, it turns out he was on his way down to, to the Wales squad. Um, and then he, he starts going through things that had happened in, in the playoff. I think he'd been in the playoff semi-finals against Luton. Yeah, we always played Luton. It was always yeah. bloody Luton. And he, he started going through scenarios of that. But obviously I hadn't seen it, so I didn't know. But we end up at about, probably at about an hour and a half, I, I end up saying to him, I need to go because I've got to pick my kids up. He was like, "Oh yeah, is that the time?" Yeah, I, I should have. I should have been down with the Wild Squad a long time ago. <laughs> so then, my I, I rang my agents on the way back and I was like, "What the hell? So much for fifteen minutes." Then he's gone right. Um, he wants you to go over and have a look at the training ground and that. Much. So I was like, "Okay, fair enough." So drove over there. Gets goes into his office. Takes me around the training ground first, introducing me to the um, the groundsman and that lot. And then we goes into his office and he, he has this big um, 
TV, you know, the ones what you pull down. Yeah. He has one of them and he's got the looting game on it. Ah. And he's going, right, what do you think of this? But he sat on his he sat on his chair and he's got his feet up on the desk and he's got um yeah. a laser pen. <laughs> and he's pointing at the players. Where where should he be? Stop stopped it. Where where do you think he should be there? <laughs> oh, I'm like, looking at my agent like, and I'm thinking I don't really want to say too much because this is other players. Do you know what I mean? I don't I don't really know them. So yeah, yeah, he, he was um, he was another one, one of a kind. You've got to be sold on that though, haven't you? When someone's that passionate, you you want to buy oh, yeah. into that, don't you? Yeah, hundred percent. Well, obviously, I knew I knew from Keaty already. Um, kind of the ins and outs of the club, anyway. Um, but yeah, I was, I was always going to sign. Um, just so I got this right chronologically in my head. So uh, you signed for Saunders, but he doesn't stay around a lot that that season, does he? He's, yeah, he's he ends up going, yeah. I think he yeah, was there for five games, maybe or something like that. Yeah, so even though you had to sort of like the preseason, you had to sort of the, the signing sort of umph, you didn't really get a full season of him. Um, when when he sort of left, did you sort of look around the changing room and think, well, if anyone could do it here, maybe it would be Moser, or did you think someone else was going to come in? Um, at that point, I probably, I probably didn't, I didn't know. I just thought they'll either sign someone in or or. If Mozart wants the job, yeah. Um, obviously, it's an easy fix because he's already within the squad and he knows. And if he wants to do it, then yeah. But at, at the time, I was, to be honest, I was concentrating on my own form because right. when I first came to Wrexham, it's the first time I played in in. I don't know. Was it called the conference at the time? Yeah, yeah, nationally, yeah, yeah. whatever it is. It was the first time I played in it, and it was a bit of a it was a bit of a shock to the system. Yeah, do you know what I was going to ask this? How hard is it for a, for a guy who's played all his career in the football league to come down to the conference? I mean, it might be a little bit different now because there's so many ex league sides, but back then I would imagine it's a it's a bit more in your face, really, isn't it? Well, yeah, I think that's the big difference. Probably in the league, you probably don't. You probably get the same amount of time, but you have to make your decisions a lot quicker in the conference because mm. you've got someone running you down. Yeah. And they just keep running and running and running and running. Yeah. So so going back to the start of that season, now it, it took us a little bit by surprise that Nat Knight Percival, who'd been stuck out in the left left wing for us yeah. the season before, becomes a centre half. Yeah. Um is is that something that Dean Dean Saunders was working with him through on pre-season? And is, is it something you helped with or something you could you could see that he had potential there? To be honest, I think it was just his ability in the air. Um yeah. I think that's where it stemmed from because obviously when I got there, he was playing left midfield or whatever it was, and it kind of never looked at him as as a centre half, but I don't know if we'd done it in training or whatever it was, but I remember thinking, like, his position is not a left winger. He looked like a natural centre half. He yeah. looked like a natural centre back to me. Yeah. And obviously, he turned out he he went on had a great time at Wrexham, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, you all did that season. That was that was one of the season that's going to go down in in history. Maybe at the end for the wrong reasons, but you know, just just that whole sort of 
squad that that Moza really managed to to galvanise after Saunders left. It, I mean, that was that was a ninety-eight point season. Um, it was. Did you ever think you had a chance against Fleetwood, or did you just think that they had that little bit more money, they could poach players, and they just had that one yeah. X factor? Don't get me wrong, we we were on their coattails. We we never thought we were ever gonna not catch them, but I think big difference was throughout the season they'd slip up they'd get a draw we'd get a draw right we'd win they'd win and it was kind of like whenever they slipped up we kind of didn't capitalize on it um and then they had obviously Vardy who was scoring a lot of goals and it was just one of one of those things and I think it demoralizes you a little bit when when you're sort of that close but you can't actually you can't actually catch them. You can't actually get on a sort of on a, a level playing field with them just to let it go down to a shootout. Like when we played at um, at Fleetwood, yeah. um, and we ended up drawing. Obviously, it was a game that we needed to win, and, and I remember we had chances to actually put the game to bed. Um, but it's one of those things, isn't it? Liam, do you want just- to come in? Yeah, Chris, just going back to your own involvement in that season, am I right in thinking it was Kreitz and not like Percival were sort of the first choice centre-back pair in that season? Yeah, um, I think that the thing was, I kept, I was having like little little injuries and I could sort of never get myself right long enough to sort of be a mainstay in the team. Um, and obviously Nat came in and, and was flying and rightfully deserved his place. Um, but again, like, and this was the same throughout the squad. Everyone knew that if you didn't pull your weight, you'd drop out of the team. And if I I know for a fact that if I'm coming into the team and Kreitz is out or, or Nat's out, then you've got a job to shift me out of the team. As long as, as long as obviously some managers don't do it, some managers... I, if I was ever a manager, which I wouldn't be, but if I was ever a manager, I'd always have the rule of if you play well, you stay in. Some managers don't. They they have sort of not their favourites, but people who've done well for them and they and they stick with them. Yeah, this this might be a bit of a fancy in my mind, but did you play sort of centre defensive mid a couple of times that season? Um. Might be a fancy because I can't remember it. Yeah, well, it, it could well be because my brain invents these things. But uh, just talking about the transition though between um, Saunders and Morel in terms of managers, two very different characters, but the results continued to come. What were the sort of differences? But what do you think Morel did that worked well? I think I think we had we had the togetherness anyway, um, and it was kind of just a case of sticking to that and trying to add a little a little bit to it. I think the difference was we're under under um Dean Saunders, we kind of played a specific way. It was if you're a right centre back or a left centre back, you hit the diagonal and you work off that. Whereas under Mozza a little bit and obviously Billy um they encourage you to play a little bit more and I don't know, just everything just sort sort of seemed to click into gear and, and once you get the ball rolling it's like it's like the lads that are there now 
once you get the ball rolling, it's hard to it's hard to stop it. Because you go into games believing that you're going to win before you've even started. And teams you're playing against go into games believing they're going to lose. Yeah. In terms of their personalities, we've heard from some people. Some people have said that they didn't think that Saunders necessarily knew how to talk to players on a level in that he'd he'd played at such a high level that trying to communicate things with conference level players seemed quite difficult for him, whereas Morel was perhaps a bit more of an arm around the shoulder manager. Would that be a fair description? Well, I think I think what happens with that is, and I had this at Warsaw with Paul Paul Merson, because they've played at that higher level, they probably just wrongly assume that people at a lower level have the same ability, and they don't. And that's because when when I was at when I was at Warsaw with with Merce, um, he was the best player in training. But when it comes to when it comes to games and you needed your team to sort of stick together and you had you had a lot of individual performances and it was probably a bit like that at, at Wrexham. Um, obviously, I never got the full thing with with Dean Saunders because he left. But you have to you have to you have to be a good man manager in the lower leagues. You have to know the players that you can have a go at in front of everyone, and you have to know the players that need to be told they're the best things in sliced bread, even if they're not. And that's the way you get the best out of out of the players. Yeah, I think that was sort of typified in how we saw Curtis Obang develop that season. I think he started the season all right, but I think we're only really pushed on for me. I don't know if that's just perception, but it was when sort of Morel came in. Um, I think he was, would you say he was perhaps a player that needed that sort of treatment? Well, yeah, you, and, you, and you probably get a little bit more, a little bit more freedom um, under Mazza. Not in ter- I mean, in terms of being on the pitch. Um, it wasn't yeah. so so regimented. Yeah, it was obviously a tough end to the season with that um, the playoffs against Luton. I'm pretty sure you were on the bench for those two games. Was that hard to watch? Well, being on the bench is is hard at any time, especially when you want to play. Some people like being on the bench. Yeah. I don't, and I never did. Um, but it's it's one of those things, isn't it? It's a it's a two game shootout. And whoever performs best on the day tends to go through. Yeah. I mean, it's a difficult one after, um, you know, amassing so many points. But going into the following season, I think we've spoken to Andy Morrell before about sort of how things worked behind the scenes. I don't know how pl- how aware players were, but I think he feels he didn't necessarily get the backing to sort of push on as such. Is that something that you'd agree with? Yeah. I think it was it was a difficult time, wasn't it? And it proves to be a difficult time for most clubs. Um, there's a fine there's a fine line as a, as a balancing act, um, and it was kind of probably under Dean Saunders. They probably would have backed him more just because of who he is, and just yeah. because of. Whereas I think under Mozza, they probably they may not have been sure if he was the right man for the job, so didn't sort of want to back him. Um, and then sort of be left with players that someone else doesn't want to cope with. Yeah, we've obviously covered off one of the sort of major events that season in the trophy final. I think it's safe to say pretty good season for you personally, pretty much an ever-present in the squad that season. Yeah, yeah. um, Obviously, it was 
it was another one of those where you're kind of like, once you get into a stride, and I found this myself, once I got into a stride, I just, I don't know, I just could could never see myself, not not coming out of the team, but it would take a lot to shift me. Um, and I think we had that throughout the squad. Um, I know Kreitz was, Kreitz was injured and he was a, a big fan's favourite, but um, yeah, it's, I think it's just the consistency thing. Yeah. Um, and yet another sort of promotion push and we go closer than, well, even to this date, I think that's the closest we've come, but we have to talk about that uh, Newport final. <laughs> Um, was that a difficult? Well, obviously you've said already that you know difficult games to watch as a substitute. Could you put anything? Could you place anything on, you know, sort of what went wrong that day? Was it the simple case of they had a decent striker in, you know, Jolly who could take his chances and we didn't? Was it as simple yeah. as that? And that's the difference, isn't it? Goals win games. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you can sometimes you can make a mistake and get away with it, and sometimes you obviously you don't. Um, this is perhaps a cheeky question, but does that ball over the top get past Chris Westwood? No. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that would be the answer. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I was, I was, I was disappointed not to play um, naturally um, because obviously I'd been injured before, and but my form throughout the season thought maybe I've done enough to actually get into that final, and obviously playing at Wembley before. Um, I thought that he may have he may have took a gamble on me, but obviously it wasn't to be stuck with with the squad that obviously got into got us into the final. And yeah, I mean it's obviously sort of no to no detriment of the uh, centre backs who played, but I thought you know given sort of even despite your age, you were relatively quick on the ball and. You know, for me, I wondered, did we miss that? I mean, it's it's all ifs and buts, isn't it? But it's, it's like these sliding door moments. You know, we talked earlier about the Brett Ormerod, um, Brett Ormerod missed chance. Um, yeah. You know, sometimes I wonder if we had a quicker, quicker centre half. But it's it's all by the by now, isn't it? Yeah, you, like you can look back and all these things are done in hindsight, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, and you, I think you got Player of the Season, didn't you, at the end of the? end of the season swept the board pretty much did that did that mean too much to you though given what given what happened right at the end was it a bit bittersweet well to be honest I only found out about not getting a contract after the after the um really the player, of the, player of the year thing which at the time you know you know it was so towards the end of the season I don't know if you guys know there was there was a like I only know him as I think he was called Don, and he he had he had a holiday shop or something like Don Bircham, Scotty yes. Fella. yeah. But yeah, he took over. He took over and was sort of chairman, or I don't know. I don't know what his role was, but at the end of the season, he was um he was coming into into the training ground, and he was pulling different players out. So at, at one point, we were in the gym, and um, he called Danny Wright out. And he called Martin Riley out. And and as he walked out, as he walked sort of away, I was like, am I next? Because I'd heard they were, they were having talks with different players. And kind of 
I kind of had a feeling that I was sort of on the border of whether I was going to get a contract or not, whether I was going to get an offer. Um, the only thing, I, the only thing, the thing that really disappointed me was obviously Mozza and Billy. They both knew what type of character I was. I'm not a sulker. I'm not like I wasn't one of them that would go. Oh, if, if you're not getting a contract at the end of the season, I'm going to down tools. I'm not going to play anymore. I used to train. I used to train every, and I still do it now. I train whenever I train. I train for myself. I train to get the best out of myself, and I was always like that. So I was just disappointed that. Mozza or Billy, because they would have known, um, didn't pull me and say, listen, this could be this could be the situation. Just to give me a heads up so I can yeah. maybe look somewhere else and try and get another another deal somewhere else. Um how was the news broken to you then when they let you know that you hadn't got a contract? Well, what what happened was we had the player of the year do, um, and I think I took took four out of the six trophies. This is the other thing I've disappointed in myself. When I was on the mic, because obviously I didn't I didn't know I was gonna keep getting called up. And he was struggling to ask me questions. And then what I, what I thought about afterwards, I should have should have put him on the spot there and then because he done 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 one of the interviews with me. And I wanted to say, um, oh, can we talk about a contract? Do you know what I mean? I wanted to put him on the spot, but I didn't think about it until later. Um, but obviously having having done so well that season I still thought I've got a chance of doing it well then we had the player of the year and then a few days later he called everyone in everyone had a time slot and I was kind of in first or second so outside there was Jay Harris Ashy probably two, two other players so I've gone in and then I noticed with Mozza when he's when he's when he gets nervous or when he's he does this. So I walked. I, I walked play in poker the with him now, Chris. That again? <laughs> yeah. I want to play poker with him now, Chris. He sticks yeah. his hand at his head like that. Yeah. Yeah. When he does this, so when I walked in the office, he was doing this, and I thought, this isn't going well. <laughs> I just knew because I thought he, he he looks uncomfortable. So he just said to me like. Um, we're not going to offer you a deal uh, because we don't want to insult you. So I was like, what's that supposed to mean? And he said, well, the money that we'd be able to offer, um, I don't want to insult you with it. So I was like, but how do you know you'll be insulting me? I said, you'll only know if I turn it down. I said, so what you should do is make me the offer and then I'll decide whether it's enough or not. And he was like, yeah, but... We've got, and obviously Kreitz was coming back, so I think they were relying on Kreitz coming back. Um, obviously, Riles was signing, and young Leon. They were relying on young Leon coming into the team, and so I kind of was. I kind of, I, I just wanted him to say, like, we've made a decision. You're not, you're not getting a deal. But he was, he was sort of going along the routes of. Oh, we don't want to insult you. And I was like, well, you won't know. I said, I said, for all you know, I could have won the lottery. I don't need money. I'm just coming to play for fun. Said, but you'll never know unless you offer me a contract. And in the end, it was kind of like, I just got up and sort of shook hands, shook hands with Billy and, and wished them all the best. And that was it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think you were pretty public 
um, afterwards in saying that you found well, it? Well, the, the reporter, the reporter rang me, um, and yeah. I think I think the headline was something like, "Was it?" Oh, it was embarrassing or something like yeah. that. Yeah. But what I meant was, in it, obviously in context, I meant it was an embarrassing situation for myself because I just cleaned up at the player of the year thing um, and now I'm out of the door. Do you know what I mean? And it's one of those though. <laughs> Did it stick with you? Did the sort of ill feeling stick with you or um and have you seen Mozza since no I, d- I didn't have any ill feeling i didn't even have any ill feeling at the time if i'd, yeah. if I'd have bumped into Mozza the week after that i would have had a laugh and a joke with him it, it wasn't that it was just and the, the other thing was when i came out of the office obviously the lads that are sat there they've gone oh like, what are you getting in what are you signing i was like been released they were like f off I was like, no, seriously? And they were like, nah, nah, I don't believe you. And I was like, okay. And I shut their hands and, and obviously I just went and got in my car and went. But um I didn't know I didn't have any ill feeling because at the end of the day, it's football and that's what happens. The only thing that the only thing that I would have changed if I'd have had a choice was I probably would have gone and seen Mozart and said, Listen, let me know one way or the other. Or what's happening? So if I'm not getting a contract here, I can sort of put the feelers out somewhere else and sort myself out. Yeah. So you, you just you just wanted a straight answer, didn't you? Really, instead of like beating yeah, me, you tell me straight basically how it was. So I mean, after that, you end up getting fixed up at Alfreton Town, and on then you came back and ruined all our Christmases because on Boxing Day of that very same year, you came back. And you have the audacity to score a last-minute header for a 3-2 win. You didn't celebrate, but you can't tell us that there wasn't a little bit inside you that thought, have some of that. <laughs> oh, no, of course. Yeah. 100%. I, I was like, obviously, I'd been having banter with the lads and that. Like, um, but it, it, doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what game I play, I would want to win. Yeah. And obviously, to win and score the winner against against my old club. I, I did the same when I left Hartlepool um, and went to Warsaw. We went back there three games into the season and I scored scored the first goal. We ended up drawing one each. Um, and I didn't celebrate. And I kind of had a feeling that I was going to get a chance at Wrexham. Mm. Um, but again, out of respect, I, I would have never celebrated. Like, yeah. at the end of the day, the fans treated me well. Even the lads, I wouldn't have done it for the lads that were, were still there when, because I just don't think there's any need for it. Yeah. Did you ever? Did you ever feel in that day that you might you might pop up and score one? Yeah, because we'd we'd been doing set pieces, um, yeah. and I was saying to Gaffer like I want to go because because sometimes I'd stay back. Um, so I was saying to him now nah, I want to go up let me go up. And he was like, yeah, yeah, just get yourself up there. And young Leon was marking me. And um, oh. I'd said to him a couple of times, like, don't give me this much space. And I was being, I was being genuine. I wasn't like, you ask any of the lads, oh, like, I genuinely, I genuinely wanted him to do well because at the end of the day, he's, he's a young lad 
starting his career. Mm. Um, and I kept saying, don't, don't give me this much space. I was joking about, but, and obviously when, when it came um, and it went in. He gave you too much space. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if Coughlin should have come for it. I don't know. I think it was, I think it was in the air quite a long time. and Probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. Poor, <laughs> poor, only, poor only on clouds. Bless him. Um, so Chris, just, just kind of like summing up, I'm, I'm curious to, to know in a minute, about what you've done, what career path you've taken post football, if you're still involved, blah, blah, blah. But just to kind of reflect that, you know, two, two seasons at Wrexham, you reached the playoffs twice, help win the club, the FA trophy. You, 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 I think you were man of the match in that FA trophy final as well, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? I'm sure you were. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Despite there not being any sort of you know, tangible success in the sense of a promotion to add to, to the several others you had beforehand, surely you, you must look back on those two years with with a degree of fondness and proud of, of what you achieved. Oh yeah, of course. Um, we had we had success um, because some people don't make it into the playoffs. Yeah, I know. I know when you get to the playoffs, it, it then becomes a shootout of who goes up. Um, and not always the informed team goes up, but I'd 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 consider getting into the playoffs in any league as having success. Mm. You may not have finished it off, but it's a successful season. And obviously, we've done it twice, and then we actually uh, won the FA Trophy. So yeah, got nothing but fun memories. In fact, I've been back. I've been back a couple of times um, and done question and answer thing in the on the suite. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you could pick, and we, we call it like the fearless moment, if you could pick a moment for you that give you the most sort of pride, other than the FA Trophy final, because that would be the most obvious one, is, it, is there any other one that kind of sticks out in the mind for you? In terms of a game, you mean? Well, just, just generally, any any of your time at Wrexham where you think there's one particular moment, whether it's a game or a moment in a game or after it, anything, anything in particular, you think, you know what? That's one of the key things I remember about the club. No, Even not really. I, I, I tend to just think you just got to keep going, keep going for the wins. Yeah. Keep stay positive. Keep going for them wins, and every win. Like this is one thing that I regret in my career. I regret not enjoying the wins or enjoying the promotions. Or I'm not saying I didn't enjoy them, but yeah. I'd always I'd always be looking for the next thing Just it would always be like when I've got once we got promotion at Peterborough my thing was we went out and celebrated but then it was it's gone it's, it's history you can't do nothing about it now you need to go on and win the next league you need to go on and do well that's why like when I was at Peterborough um, I had a three year deal and after two years we got we got back to back promotion and then um, I went and seen the gaffer and it was kind of like he kind of said, "You're not going to be first choice. Um, we're bringing they brought another player in. You're not going to be first choice." So I was like, "Okay." I said, "If if I said you know me, you know the way I train, whatever. If I get in the team and I do well, do I stay in the team?" And he was like, "Well," and he was kind of like saying, "Well, if if the other players fit." like you'll probably just be on the bench. And that made my decision to leave, to go to Wickham. Because I said, I'd rather, 
I would have gone to any club. It didn't matter what club I was at. When I train, obviously you train to play. So I'd rather know. I don't want to. I don't want a guaranteed spot, but I would rather know that if I get in the team and I'm doing well, I'm going to stay in the team on merit. Mm. And that's always the way I was throughout my career. Those sound like managerial words as well. Is that something you've ever sort of gone down that path or considered or anything in terms of managerial kind of thing? Nah, you know, like in football, there's 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 a lot of there's a lot of snakes and there's a lot of there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of things that obviously you don't see as as fans. There's, yeah, and you have to you have to lick a few asses and all that. And I ain't like that. Yeah. And the other thing was, I loved, I loved training and I loved playing. I don't like. I don't really like coaching. I think in terms of managing, man managing, I think I'd be good at it. Mm. But the, the hoops that you have to jump through sometimes to get there. Not me. Before we finish up, Andy's got some uh, some quick fire questions for you, which we chuck at all our guests. So I'll hand it over to him. Yeah. So first thing that comes into your mind, uh, I'm just going to ask you five questions about teammates. Who during your time at Wrexham was the most skillful? Yeah, Thornton. Well, not skills, but in terms of keeping the ball, probably him. Yeah, Yeah, I think we've touched on that. It's a shame that we couldn't get more out of him, but, you know, ends of breaks. He didn't get Um, more out of himself. That was the problem. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're right there. You've touched on this. Um, Who's the worst dressed? Got to choose one. I know what he's going to say. Glenn Little was up there, you know. I know he gives a stick, but he was up there. I can't, have, I can't have that. I can't have Glenn Little silly. Garish <laughs> <laughs> Glenn. <laughs> um, who was the most underrated? Who didn't really get the plaudits that they should have? Um, see, I find these questions hard because because I only think of us as a team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of like can't pick out. Just pick yourself. No, because at the end of the day, you're just one person in a team. No one person in any team wins a league. You may win a game, but you don't win a league. So that's probably the best answer we've had, to be fair, that question. So that's good. Yeah. It's, it's the most, yeah, it's the most sort of communist answer. Oh, frozen. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. You, you, this should be easier. Chris, who is the biggest moaner? Glenn Little. Oh. Most people. Go no, to be fair, to be fair, Ashy Ashy loves a moan as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. This is the last one, and I'm just going to say that a lot of people have answered this question as Chris Westwood. Right. The que- the, the question is. Must be the best looking. Like- yeah. Oh. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> the question is, who would you least like to fight? Oh. Don't know because I'd fight anyone, <laughs> and that is why you were the answer to <laughs> a lot yeah. of the question. Um, I can't think of anyone. Probably, probably, probably little Ashy or or or, or um, Keatsy because they're like 
little scrappy dudes like would never give in. No, fair enough. You're hiding to nothing fighting a smaller chap as well, aren't you? So. <laughs> Oh, Chris, it's been it's been fascinating. Thank you for your time. What what are you up to these days? What 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 have you what have you been doing post football? You still involved in football as well as another career path? No, um, I play a lot of six aside football when when I'm not injured. Now, um, in terms of career, so when I finished when I finished football, I kind of stumbled into I went into um, mental health. All right, yeah. Um, and I was doing that full time for a while, but now I've got um, a little boy. So I'm now a stay at home dad most of the time. Wow. Still, I still work two days a week. Yeah. Um, and I do the, the school runs and all that the rest of the time. And I dip in and out of the financial market. Nice. Bit of trading stuff. Happy days. The, the mental health thing, just touching on that, I mean, you know, seeing as you, you've t- taken that as a bit of a pathway, you see it more and more now in, in the game, welfare being sort of put at the very top of many professions, you know, let alone football. I mean, yeah. do, do you see sort of strides made in that aspect of the game compared to maybe when you were there? Or could, could you see bits coming in at that time? Do you know what I think it is? I think now they put players' welfare probably at the forefront, whereas before you'd probably just be told to man up, yeah, get on with it. Um, and some people accepted it and some people some people couldn't accept it they probably just needed but again this is the, this is the man management thing you mm. need to you need to know which players you can tell off and which players need an arm around them and a bit of loving Thanks very much to Chris for for joining us and giving us his time. He's very generous with his time. Um, Good bloke, wasn't he, Tim? Very good bloke. Um, It was something that I looked back at that team and I thought, well, who haven't we had from that team on the pod previously? And I I think kind of Chris Westwood didn't really get the plaudits he deserved. He he was with us for a couple of years. We did really well, reached the playoffs, did well in the Cups. And you know we won a cup. Ultimately, we fell short in the in the playoff final against Newport. But he was really, really good for us, and he's a really nice guy. And yeah, I just wanted him to have his voice and and tell his story because you know for somebody to put their hand up as a defender who doesn't score many goals and wax a penalty is um, you know it, it goes down it goes down in folklore for us for sure. Yeah, top guy. Moving on, we have no Tuesday night game for a change. Wonderful. And next game will be York on Saturday. Uh, and also then there's the Wrexham women's team against Connors Key uh, on Sunday, uh, Tim. And we're expecting some visitors, are we? Yeah, it seems that way. I think um, Ryan Reynolds has actually tweeted he can't wait to see the, the women in their full flight. I think our full force, whatever the, the, the wording was. So I think that's pretty much rubber stamped um, his arrival. So I should imagine he'll be there for, for both the York game and, and the women's game. Um, and again, it comes back to 
to one of their their real goals and their mission statements and, and to sort of grow the women's game and for them to be there with a record-breaking crowd which are probably going to be in you know upwards of six thousand or more now it's it's massive for the area it's massive for for the growth of the women's game and yeah it's you know obviously it'll be it'll form part of another chapter of the of the second season the documentary but again great for them to come over big boost everybody and, and, and a massive um confidence boost for for the players the men's team as well trying to get over the line against york Yes, Andy, you'll be there on Saturday, will you? Are you travelling up from London for the York game? Yeah, uh, me and a couple of couple of lads who, um, well, friends from from Essex Way who've never been to to, to the race course, so uh, we've sort of scraped, borrowed, and got got a few season tickets together and, and managed to get them in. So yeah, it, I think we're all it, looking forward to it. Is it Smithy and Gavin, your friends? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely, it's our own version of um, Gavin and Stacey, and I'm Stacey. Oh it? wow! Okay, yeah. Um, no, it's good. 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 We're going to show them the bright lights of uh, of uh, Wrexham after. So I'm sure they got nicknames because uh, I feel like your mates have always got nicknames like Dan the Daggerman from Dagenham, Scottish Pete, Dan the Daggerman from Dagenham. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so tall Paul Barrett, uh, not the uh, Paul Barrett. He's yeah, really no, cool. actually, Paul Barrett was was there for for the for the Luton four three where but Paul the other Paul Barrett played. He couldn't believe it. He'd never been to the race course, so who else is coming? Uh, John Court, Captain Sensible, we call him, um, just because he's not not a good drinker. Um, and Dave Brett, who's the lad I went to New Zealand with, really good lad. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm we can take him to the Coliseum. That's still open, yeah. What a, what a really underwhelming set of nicknames that was. <laughs> it's like Bob Mortimer on Would I Lie to You going through his... Paul uh, Paul Barrett was as good as it's got. Uh, Andy, surely are. they should be going to the Fat Ball. Oh, yeah, they will be, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Repeatedly. Absolutely. We, are, we are actually going to the My Squin beforehand to, oh, to listen to Carl Conley. Excellent. That will be good. And Liam, I mean... Record attendance, as as we heard there for the women's team on Sunday, is just you know a massive day for the club, isn't it? Yeah, it's come a, it's come a long way in a very short period of time, and I think it's another case of the owners, you know, sticking to their mission statements and taking it on to another level. I saw a bit of green eyes from a certain um, other Welsh Welsh club earlier in the week, Mister Gary Dewhurst. Um, basically saying, oh, you know, wouldn't it be a fairy tale if Connor's Key beat Wrexham and all this? But you know what? What what a fantastic achievement Wrexham women's team has had this season. And I think to have that many people there for them is, you know, the very least they deserve for their achievements, to be honest. Fantastic to see them go from strength to strength. And I'm sure there's a lot more to come over the next few seasons. Um, should we do predictions? And Andrew, talk to me. Uh, right, predictions. I'll go first. Uh, I, I, I just can't see us ballsing it up. We're now we've got our noses in front. We've battled so hard to to get here. Um, York aren't particularly pulling up any trees at the moment. I think even since when we played them away, they've changed the manager again. Um, so I would hope for quite quite a sort of straightforward two 0 victory. Uh, Tim, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, York thumped Bromley 3-0 before we went there. So, you know, it was a pretty decent result for them. 
is it a bit of managerial bounce back? I'm not sure. Can't remember how long the new guy's been in post, but yeah, I think you're right. I think you know, we've had a we've had a little blip moment against against Woking at home, but I think now with a a sort of next in front bit of daylight, I think the lads will buzz off that. The crowd will buzz off it, especially with the owners in town. So I'm confident of a cheeky three three one win. Um, Liam. Damn, I was going to go for three one. Uh, <laughs> I'll go. I'll go three nil. Keep another. Um, keep another shutout. Decent atmosphere after a few games where it's been a bit edgy, and yeah, three nil win the town. Reese, I'm going to say we're going to we're going to open up. Um, we're going to score some goals again. We haven't done that at the race course for a for a, for a while. So four goals. I'm going to say four two though. York will get a couple because Mark Howard is a terrible keeper and he's going to cost us the title. On on, <laughs> well, that's on the sound bite, everyone's going to take from this. From that this was sarcasm, people. Dear me. On the back of all that, um, can we have like a, a a sort of an extra bolstering confidence boosting prediction for title now because we saw that the Notts County boss Luke Williams had said that the title's over blah de blah blah but then I think Notts County captain came out and said well no we've got to keep going there's still loads of points to play for it's as far as I'm concerned it's a little bit of mind games but then other people have said if Parkey had come out and said that we'd all be furious so what's your take on it? I'd just like to say a few months ago, I put out a prediction. I said, I'm calling the title of a Wrexham now uh, on Twitter. And I um, haven't really stopped thinking about that tweet since because it's just, I was expecting Notts County to fall off. Uh, and so I've been really nervous about it. And I've, you know, hovered over the delete button a couple of times. Um, but uh, <laughs> I held my nerve and uh, reaping the rewards hopefully soon. No, I, I think it is a bit premature. But if you remember, he said exactly the same thing after they lost to Dagenham. Uh, you know, he's, he, it's a little bit um, erratic, I think. It's a little bit impulsive, the way he's talking post-match. Uh, I'm not sure it's good. I mean, I mean, he's very unlikely to be saying that to his team, but I still think it's, it's a little bit much to be calling the title now. If we can get past these two home games, suddenly, if, we're, if we get six points from them, well, we've got five games then, not, we will have to lose two, and one of them would have to be Notts County. Yeah, I agree with you. I think if you don't lose at home to Notts County, I think you can rubber stamp the title, really. And, and why shouldn't we be positive? What I will say is we're incredibly nervy at the moment. Like, Tim, you'll agree with this. Yesterday, we weren't really singing. We weren't really, you know, chanting. I just found the, the crowd incredibly nervous. Um, mm. And I think it's been like that at home as well. Uh, you guys will know more than me, but I think South End was the same. It would be nice if we did open a we a bit of a buffer now and we could really sort of enjoy it a little bit because i don't think we are at the moment i think yeah it's just i think we've naturally been like that for so long and we're so overly cautious because of how close we've been before in the past and yeah it was weird it, was, it felt like a bit of a pre-season atmosphere today very very odd I and mean, it got better as the game wore on but you got to really got to ask yourself do we really really need to be nervous there's a there's a difference between being nervous and and whether we need to be i get that but look at the points tally look at the win record look at how we're winning and the styles in which we're winning in and the squad we've got i don't think there's really any need to be nervous like time and again they're showing us what they're made of so let's let's kind of like revel 
in in the period that we're seeing right now and, and that we're living in it and we're living and breathing it. So just enjoy it and, and let's just really sing our heads off. And we, sh- we might even have Hayden and O'Connor back for, for next Saturday. So, you know, that's more or less a yeah. squad. Well, prospect, and where do you fit them in? It's uh, it's uh, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, I never thought I'd say that about Aaron Hayden. I mean, surely he comes straight back in, but um, maybe we wait till he's 100%. Uh, enjoy the week off. Enjoy the Tuesday night with no stress. And then Saturday, turn up at the race course and make as much noise as possible and enjoy the game. Um, and we'll um, speak to you all next week. Take it easy. Cheers. See you guys. Cheers, everyone.